we, we do this event called Mind and Muscle, and it comes from this place. We've done over 100 of these now where I learned it with my boys. You probably see this yourself. Like if you start asking them, how are they doing? How are they feeling? It's instinctual. Men just tend to lock up. And it's like, I'm fine. I'm okay. And then you're like, no, how are you doing? How are you actually doing? How are you feeling? For my boys, the trick was getting them moving. Like my son, when he was three, I'd start pushing him on the swing, chatterbox, like immediately start opening up. So the concept was if we could do a body weight workout or we could do a breath work or we could do something where guys are physically moving their bodies, it opens them up to be vulnerable emotionally, mentally. If I said to you, hey, Mike, come over. We're going to have like a a men's group therapy session. Mm You'd have been like, no, not into it. I mean, you might have been, but like most guys would be like, sorry, like I've got anything else. And um, I'm going to be sick that day. yeah, Yeah. But getting guys to move gets them to then open up and emotionally respond. What is up, podcast community? My name is Michael Chernow, and this is the Creatures of Habit podcast. Habits are everything, and on this show, I will be interviewing some of the most inspiring, motivated, and high-performing humans on the planet to learn about the daily habits, routines, and rituals that help keep them focused, determined, on top of their game, and ultimately, happy. My journey from the depths of addiction and misery to success as a family man and serial entrepreneur was only made possible by replacing bad habits with great ones. And my mission in life today is to share that story and the story of others with you to bring value and life-changing tools to as many people as possible. So sit back, relax, and pay attention because what you hear in this podcast today can potentially change your life. Let's go. What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Creatures of Habit podcast. Today, I've got two guests in the house. Um, these guys co-founded a brand that I love. I'm happening, I happen to be wearing one of their shirts here. The company is called Rhone, R-H-O-N-E. Chances are you have heard of it. And if you haven't, get your shit together because they're doing amazing things. Um, Nate Checkets and Ben Checkets are brothers. Um, I don't know which role either of them play at the company, but I know that they run it together and it's an amazing it's an amazing brand it's an amazing business that they've created just so you know ben is chief instigator it's like (laughs) saying wildly inappropriate things troublemaker but i've been warned by our head of pr on this podcast i will keep it tight i promise yep we've got we've got hr in the room so nobody's getting into trouble here we will bleep out anything (laughs) um but uh I've had the pleasure of being able to get to know these guys over the years and also participate in some really cool things that they've done, especially one that I'd like to call out that I think is so important and so powerful and was really, really um, powerful for me being there. They have a community of men that get together and get vulnerable and talk about mental health. And I think that is something that we need a way more of um, in this in, in in the current climate uh, that we all live in, where men, for some reason, don't get the ability to, or are afraid, or don't feel it's necessary to get vulnerable. And uh, at Roan, they they make it part of their mission to get men to start talking. And it was really wonderful to be there for that. So I'm excited to have the guys on the show and talk about a lot of good things. Gents, welcome. It's Thank great you. being here. This is yeah. cool. I think I've done the pod before, but it was like during COVID. So this is this is an upgrade. I get to see your handsome Italian face. <laughs> you know, we were, we were talking about 
before before the the cameras were rolling. This idea that I I used to get this all day long and all night, right? When I was when I was you know opening restaurants and running restaurants in New York City, my job was to lead the people that were running the restaurants, but also to connect with human beings oh, yeah. at scale, right? Like that is like really, I think if, if I were to peel it all back and say, okay, what actually is it, Chernow? It is connecting with humans at scale. That's what I love to do. Um, Relationship so, building. Yeah, that's it, right? Like the business of business is relationships. I think, I think the function of happiness in life is relationships. Why don't you guys give us a, uh, a breakdown of who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I can start. Uh, I'm Ben, younger brother. I am the creative director, so I get all the fun stuff. I yep. do all of our content, all of our social media, uh, all of our design, and then I also get to weigh in on product. And that's very much directionally. I don't have any expertise in product, but I say, you know, this is what we're seeing in the market. This is where I think we should go. We need to turn over these styles, explore here. And so that's the, those are the two areas of the business that I really handle. Awesome. I get the great fortune of making sure that we have money and that, you know, the business is growing. And, and I spend it. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's a nice part. But it's, uh, it's been, honestly, just like the greatest blessing in our lives to be able to do this together. I mean, it's, you said it, uh, relationships really are the lifeblood of people. We're naturally social creatures. And what's unique for us is, you know, we grew up in a big family. There's six kids. And um, Ben and I, there's actually a brother in between us. Um, but to be able to spend my work day with somebody that I care so much about and that I just instinctually trust, and after 10 years, that bond has only gotten significantly stronger, like, that, there's, there's no amount of money that I would trade that for. There's just nothing that, like, that's just, when I think about my greatest blessings in life, it is right at the top of my list that I get to do this. I get to spend my work day with my best friend in the world. And um, so we think very differently. We have very different skill sets, but we also really trust each other. And I think that's just gotten better and that's made the business better over time. I'm so happy that you brought that up because I think it's important to point out the fact that you guys are partners and your brothers. And you guys also don't live in the same city. So no. you, you have some distance yeah. from each other, yeah. which I think is probably healthy. Right? <laughs> um, I have been in business with essentially my best friend um, and who st we started, we, we grew up together. We started the business as best friends, certainly did not finish as best friends, yeah. took a four-year sabbatical, and now we are best friends again, essentially, yeah. you know, could be like better friends than we were before. I want to talk about partnership because I think that's a really interesting topic to, to kick off with because I've got you guys here together. Yeah. What happens when you guys disagree? Well, I think what Nate highlighted is the most key part, which is we trust. And we also have pretty clear lines of roles and responsibilities. Um, so the trust part, just to harken back to that for a second, there's no amount of failure or success that would ever jeopardize our relationship. And we've agreed on that early on. Like whether we hit it big or whether the business fails tomorrow, like we're never going to stop being brothers and we're never going to stop loving each other, supporting each other, et cetera. Have you had to check in on that? Yeah. I think there's been times, I mean, where, where you know, 
hey, what's going on? You know, seems like maybe you're at me a little bit. Let's let's talk through it. And I think it's just an understanding of life changes and and things going on externally that can affect that. Um, but at every point in the business, it's been together. And I think Nate does a very good job of, you know, as the CEO, I think he gets a lot of natural attention from people externally. He's always done a very good job of bringing me in and celebrating me, even though it's the least comfortable thing in the world for me. I, I very much like to be behind the lens, behind the camera. And I love celebrating him because he deserves every second of it. So I think that trust and that love really build a foundation for it. And then having clear roles and responsibilities is helpful because if we disagree, but it's not Nate's area, he says, I trust you to make that decision. And a lot of times it's the wrong decision and we learn from it and move on or, or vice versa. If it's his area of business, but I disagree, I trust him to make the decision. And we never, ever Monday morning quarterback each other. I think that's the biggest thing of, well, I did warn you, right? I did say it was a bad idea. It's, it's that kind of crap just undermines everything. And we really have learned to cut that out. I don't think it was ever a problem, but anytime it's ever become even a potential issue, we've called it out. We've been very honest with each other. Um, and again, it's all underlie, you know, trust is, it builds that foundation for it. If we weren't to trust each other completely, none of this would be possible. It's, I mean, it's super tricky, right? Like, cause in a family, in a family relationship or a family business, you naturally will have people who will say things like, oh, there's a nepotism component or there's some, and I've just, I, I just kind of knocked that out right in the beginning when we hire someone, especially someone senior on the team. Like, I just want you to know. Ben is my best friend. Nothing will ever get in the way of that. Like, don't cross us. Don't, like, don't even try. Um, because it is the most important thing. And to me, it comes down to prioritization. Like, we were fortunate. We grew up in an incredible household with two parents that loved each other and that, you know, raised us to care about each other. And they emphasized that relationship and that bond above all else. We, um, I was telling a story to somebody the other day, we have a place in our house that our parents call the port. And growing up, I just thought it was like the living room or a study or like, you know, the kind of weird names that people give rooms in a house. Or maybe even some like East Coast nautical thing that I, yeah. we didn't Yeah, we were understand. like, whatever, this is weird. And I go to a friend's house and I'm like, hey, where's your port? They're like, but uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so this is where we would gather at the end of the day, almost every day. I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said it was 100%, but I'd, it was like 80 plus percent. Every single day we ended there. We, I know you're a man of faith. We ended with family prayer. And um, like you could be mad at each other. You could just have just been beating each other up, which was happened a lot. But we ended every day together. And so that was the most important thing in our family. And so when you have that as your base, as your foundation – Nothing else matters. If we blow a family relationship that, you know, spent 36 years building, for what amount of money would you trade that? Zero. There's not, I mean, there's not an amount of money on this planet that I would trade it for. So, you know, there are times when I'll call him and I'm like, hey, I don't think we did a good enough job here. Like, we need to do better. Or he'll be like, hey, I think you, you know, da 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 and we just both go back to the prioritization of most important thing is our relationship. Like no amount of money. There's just, there's not a, and like when you have that, that is, I think, I think that's the foundation of a successful marriage or partnership. Mm -hmm. And the challenge, the biggest challenge 
is you can't control that because you need both people to be committed to the same ideal. And when you lose that, which is which naturally happens in a partnership because people start to, you know, like Ben has three kids. He has one on the way. He's got four. He'll have four kids soon. I have three kids. We have our own families. And when money matters about like, you know, having a certain kind of lifestyle with your family, it's easy for those to come in crossroads. But again, you just go back to wouldn't sacrifice it, won't do it. It's not, it's not happening. Christmas at the check-its must be madhouse. <laughs> wild. There's, now, wild. there's now 20 so grandkids. Wild. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a madness you know, doesn't like, begin to describe I, I'm it. listening to you guys talk about it. And before I opened up the meatball shop with Dan, we were advised to read a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Oh, yeah. I read it. And it was written by this guy, Michael Gerber, who was formerly homeless and, like, figured out his life and, like, became this, like, super prolific, you know, like, very, very articulate guy who understood business. And in the book, it very clearly states that arguably the most important component of partnership is a clear delineation of labor. Like, that could be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And a respect from one another in that particular department yeah right like and once that goes (laughs) i think that that's probably the first thing to go in most partnerships that lack of uh respect and and trust that the person that's that's written out their scope um doesn't have the ability to actually pull it off when when that when that when one partner thinks that of another it's kind of hard to come back from yeah right and it's so easy because when you really think about it, it, partnership is like two completely different human beings, completely different DNA, yeah. completely different uh, different upbringings. Chances are completely different goals in terms of like long-term life goals. What right? they like, value, what they yeah. Daniel and I about. went on – this is funny. Daniel and I went on a, a, a camping trip. We said, all right, we're going to go on a business together. We've been best friends since we're kids, but let's really get after it and let's do something crazy. So we went to – Hike the um, the presidential um, yeah the peaks, White Mountains the White Mountains oh, yeah. I just did that this summer with did you? Uh, with my boys so we did that and we hit all the peaks and it was a five day hike and 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 it was sideways torrential rain the whole time worst I got weather hypothermia. in the country it was absolutely oh, terrible yeah, well I think top of Mount Washington is actually the worst weather ever, ever recorded yeah highest <laughs> wind ever recorded yeah. globally oh, I think gosh. yeah. Anyway, so we're there, right? And, like, we have this moment. I think it was on our first night or second night or whatever. And I'm like, all right, dude. So, like, really, what is it? Yeah. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you actually want? And he looked at me, no thought, no, like, flinch, nothing. I want to be a billionaire. Yeah. At just, boom. Just yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was born to say that, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he was like, oh, what about you? And I was like, uh... Happy family, <laughs> you know, dog, yeah, yeah. like comfort, uh, yeah. like, you know, happy, successful, yeah, yeah. obviously. But like, I'm like, I want to just, I want to have a house and a family that that we're super comfortable. We're not worried about yeah. Yeah. shit. And so it was very clear right then and there that we were way different in terms of like yeah. our long-term plan. And it's no, it's no surprise that like, yeah. as we, you know, pushed forward in the business, 
the two brains just started firing in different ways. Well, and the long-term goals start to come at odds with each other, too. It's like if the goal is to maximize profitability and back to the founders and somebody else's goal is I want to be a great father and husband, those will come at odds quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why are you going home at 8.30 p.m.? It's like, because I want to tuck my son in tonight, you know? Yeah. And again, like, it's just... I wouldn't say we're perfect by any stretch. The one thing I know is just we share the same set of values, and that helps resolve so much conflict. So I think to to sort of put a cap on this piece, anybody listening who is either thinking about being or creating a business with a partner, which I totally advocate for, but mm-hmm. I do think that there should be some some boundaries that are set early on, right? Yeah. Get through all the hard shit first, but I want to hear from you guys. So and it's people that are like about to walk into business um, and or are in business with a partner yeah. and it's not going in the best direction. Hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I just think it's really, really tough. And, it's, and we're almost like, I don't know that we can even come from a place of authority because we're spoiled by the, our setup. But I do think that we as a society have gotten progressively worse at having difficult conversations. And difficult conversations build relationships. It's just like anything else. You know, you've, if you want to grow in the gym, you've got to lift something heavy. If you want to you know, get more resilient. You've got to expose yourself to, you know, cold and high temperatures. If you want to strengthen relationships of steel, they've got to be forged in fire. And sometimes that means saying, hey, I, I really don't enjoy when you do A, B, C, or D. And I'm willing to hear when you tell me that, you know, you don't enjoy A, B, C, and D too. And and if you don't have that, and if you're unable to have that, it's not going to work. I always think about business partnerships and relationships similar to dating in the sense that people, when they're dating, they tend to close one eye and ignore the other person's like weaknesses, faults. And then when they get married, they open both eyes and they see every fault and problem that the person has. But in reality, we should be doing the exact opposite of that. When you're hunting for a partner, you should be eyes wide open. You should have those hard conversations up front. And then when you are in a partnership, you should close one eye. Because otherwise, you do exactly what you talked about, which is like, you know, maybe there's somebody else that could be better at his job than him. You know, maybe I should consider high. As soon as you go down that path of looking for all faults, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, and I would, I would go back to what I said about high trust and just clarify one thing. It's not blind trust. Nate still very much has, you know, visibility into what I'm doing. I still very much have a way in visibility on what he's doing. But it's once the decision is being made, we leave it to the decision maker. You see this through and you learn from it. It's, so it's that marriage of high trust. And then the other one that I forgot to kind of mention is, is this idea of high expectations. We have the same end goal, which is not to build a billion-dollar brand. That would be great. But to build a brand that matters, to build a brand that influences people in a very positive way. Um, and, you know, being completely open and vulnerable, we throw around this word of balance all the time, right? And if you think about someone who's balancing on a slack line or a tightrope walker, they're not in e- they're not in like perfect equilibrium the whole time, right? They're 
they're right. They're leaning right. They overcorrect to the there's left. There's anxiety involved in that. Yeah. There's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of correction. And sometimes you overcorrect and it's like, oh, he's going to fall for sure. So the idea of balance isn't you're in perfect equilibrium all the time. It's no, find those small course corrections, but always come back to what is center. What's I the think most to important? add to that, because I love that analogy, balance is made possible through boundary setting. Yes. Mm, and yeah. so what I've learned is it's never, go, you know, like you see like the, like the, the wave, right? Like yeah. that perfect, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. like that's like the balance, right? Like that's never, that's just simply not true. It's no. just not, it's not true. It never happens. It's never like, oh yeah, it's just like up and down and up and down. It's, it's like rocket ship down, yeah. you know? And, but what I've learned as I've grown as an entrepreneur, as a husband, father, is that the thing that does not ever change for me now, and I'm zero shame in saying it, are my boundaries. Yeah. When I start and when I finish. Mm. Those are fucking Those hard are firm. and yeah. fast. Yeah. Hard Those and firm. fast. Unless, obviously, if I'm traveling. Yeah. But, like, I love what you said about the port, right? I can count, maybe, honestly, I don't even think on one hand the amount of times my mother, father, sister, and I sat down and had dinner throughout my whole childhood. Mm. Never did it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't happen. Never did yeah. it. Yeah. My mother would make some chicken and potatoes. You would take it into your room and you would, you know, or sit in the couch in the living room and eat it, right? Yeah. Like, my father never, like, it did, didn't happen. My wife never missed dinner with her family mm. yeah. every night, ever, ever, ever. When Finley was born, I had just opened up Seymour's. Unfortunately, there was no way yeah, I could have dinner. Yep. Yeah. And so for the first two years of that kid's life, I have very few regrets in my life, but that is one. Mm. I did not have dinner with my wife and son for yeah. m- most nights. Yeah. And I kind of had this realization, like whatever it was, seven, eight years ago, where I said, or seven years ago, this is absolutely fucking wrong. Yeah. I am a CEO of a company where I am like, I am, I am uh, expected to miss my whole family. Yeah, like man. I'm expected to, to work 18 hours. Like, like that's, that's, that's in my head. Yeah. yeah. That's me expecting that yeah. of me. Absolutely. That's not true. Yeah. Like, I would imagine, you know, you can say, you know, I've heard the phrase, oh, you know, investors love founders that are not married and don't have kids. (laughs) And in my mind, I'm like, wait a second. Like, you actually want founders that are married and have kids. Why? Because that guy is going to fight for his fucking life to make sure that that family is supported and fed. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who doesn't have wife and kids is yeah maybe that guy is going to work or that gal is going to work more potentially but also is going to go hard and party and not show up to the board meeting yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) well i'll tell you i mean uh, so i founded my first real venture-backed business pretty young i was 24 uh mobile software startup and we got to a place where it was a crazy situation the, my investors brought in a CEO. They were like, you're too young. You don't know what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they ended up firing the CEO and putting me back in place when the business basically had no capital left. And I remember going home and looking at my newborn son, my, my oldest son, who's now 14, 
and being like, how did I let myself get here? I'm going to claw, scrape, fight until I'm out of this. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I will not let this go down. I'm going to figure this out. We figured out how to sell the assets. And I immediately started picking up consulting contracts. And I figured a way out and ended up taking a job all the way um, back east. And that's what brought me back east to work at the NFL. But it was, it was 100% looking down at my son in the crib and being like, I'm not going to fail for you. I won't. Yeah, your father's going to make this happen. I'm going to figure it out. I think, I think working parents, that's a powerful emotion. And um, some of our, you know, I can't differentiate, but we have really amazing working mothers at our company. They're, they, you know, but, but they're, I can't tell them that they're not going to go home at 5 or they're not going to come, you know, before 9. That's the schedule that works for them. But they, they're the most productive humans on planet Earth. Yeah. A mom, holy cow, they can get more done in a day than I could dream of in a month. You've heard that phrase, like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. My new phrase is, if you want something done well, give it to a working mom. <laughs> she will do it, and she will do it well, and she will do it efficiently. And it's, I think, I think it really is because, you know, especially at a startup like ours, we view it a little bit as an education, right? I tell people all the time, like, don't go to business school, because I did. Go start a company. You'll learn way more. But also, have kids. Get married. Have kids. Like you are getting, you're getting educated and schooled every day in two very different and arenas <laughs> and humbled. Being a father has made me a better manager. Being a manager has made me a better father, and vice versa. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just a perpetual student and getting perpetually taught by people who who depend on me and who I support and who you know ultimately at the end of the day we're all gonna get through this together. I love that we're talking about family and kids and how it correlates to work and entrepreneurship and um, leadership and ambition and drive. Um, I, I was at a dinner the other night. One of my investors put on a dinner where he invited all of the, porf- all of the local New York portfolio companies. Um, I actually hosted it at the meatball shop. And there was like 15 founders there. It was really cool. And Brian um, Cohen, one of our investors, his son is his partner in the in the the um, in the little investment arm that they have. And uh, his three is both of his sons were there, but he has three kids. And something that I was blown away by <laughs> that Brian did with his kids was. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. The guys, Brian is like he's he started the New York Angels. I mean, he's like one of the, he's he's invested in more New York startups than anyone ever. I think. I wow. think it's like he's like a thing. Um, they're currently invested in like forty New York startups. That's cool. He um, he made all of his kids start a business before twenty five, mm. and they all did, and they've all exited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. It was really, it was really, it was like emotional for me to see that because they were there, yeah, and they were talking about it, yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I've always said if with my boys, it's hard for me, you know, once if you're if you are an entrepreneur, it's it's, it's hard to shake it, right? Like you can't, it's a, it's part of you, it's yeah. part of you, and so I've always been it since I can remember. I mean, yeah. I was selling 
toys on the corner of 82nd, 7th Street and 2nd Avenue when I was like five. I was like begging my sister, you know. I was like going to comic book stores and buying baseball cards, opening up the packs, setting up outside of the baseball card shop and selling the cards that I didn't want back to the kids coming in and out. Like I was always thinking that way. And like I, I, I always said to my wife, like I'm never going to force our kids to do anything. I'm not going to make them play sports. I'm not going to make them do anything. The only thing I'm going to force upon them is <laughs> New York Giants. That's, it. <laughs> that's the only it. thing. And it's oh, really... Which is, oh, which is painful. That's <laughs> such a burden to pass on. It's, it's really, it's really, it's really hard. Having like, to watch my 11-year-old cry after the last yeah. game, I'm like, I... I feel personally responsible for this. Uh, I, I was, was on at, an I was on an airplane watching that game. And I, I was told at Nate this that story. Game, the woman the next to me took off her headphones and she goes, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm no, not okay. No, I'm not I just okay. need some time." <laughs> it was so hard, and I was sitting next to Saquon Barkley's sister. Oh. Uh, and I didn't find out until she asked me a question about Saquon Barkley, and I didn't say the nicest thing. Oh boy! <laughs> Even though I love that guy, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't say anything bad. But but she asked me why do they always why you know she was like why do they always send Saquon down the middle, and I was like well it's the beginning of the season and they want to protect him yeah, yeah. You don't because want him to get hurt on the upper field you know he's gonna yeah. if he if he if he if he breaks out too soon the guy gets hurt yeah, yeah. and she was like what record. I was like well he does he gets hurt yeah. I mean he's gotten hurt twice and missed two full seasons of football he goes yeah that's my brother and I was like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so you want him running up the middle yeah yeah um, but. Anyway, you know, like trying to get my boys to – it's so interesting to see the difference between my two sons. They – I told they, – they're deep into Pokemon cards now. Okay. Pokemon yep. cards yep. through so the roof, It's right? a big thing. They, yeah. Seven, eight. Five and eight. Oh, okay. And they both are all about it, Pokemon yep. cards. And in the beginning when they first started getting into it, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to buy them some Pokemon cards. Yeah. Um, you know, their friends got Pokemon cards. I'm going to hook them up. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, dudes. They, they kept on asking me for Pokemon cards. I'm like, no, no, no. We're gonna, this is where it's going to start here. Yeah. I was like, you guys are not getting Pokemon cards anymore. Yeah. You're going to earn them. Yeah. So on Saturday, you're going to do 100 air squats, 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, and 50 ring rows. Both kids. Bang them out every Saturday. And then I was like, because this started this summer, I was like, you guys can make as much lemonade as you want. I will supervise. I will get the stuff for you. I'll help you. You'll pay me labor. You'll pay me cogs. We'll go out. I'll set the whole thing up. You guys market it however you want. Make signs, big signs. Go out there with your shirt off. Go crazy. These kids, my older son, zero interest. Yeah. My younger son, All about savage. It. Yeah. yeah. It's so crazy to see and you're yeah. like who is lifeguarding this gene pool <laughs> but it's i mean i have three boys they could not be more different they're all different and what's funny is finding your kids currency is really important yep. because i know families that are like look this is our currency this is how we think about you know encouraging and motivating our kids what I found is my older son, he was coin-operated super quick. Like, he got the money thing really, really fast. So it was like, hey, you want, you know, you want to earn 50 bucks to, you know, go do whatever? Great. This is how much it is if you do A, B, C, or D. My middle son, who's like our wild child, he's really fun, very charismatic. It was 
he was he loves candy. That's like his. He told me he wanted to open a candy <laughs> shop. So I was like, normally we don't let him eat very much candy. It was like, you know, instead of ten bucks, he would get a Snickers bar. Like I could say, I'm going to pay you ten dollars if you do five hours worth of labor. But if I'm like, hey, I'm going to give you a Snickers bar, oh, he would run through a brick wall. To he get hasn't a caught on bar. to the math. Of, you might, you buy might a get in trouble. HR, he, he's 10, five hours, 10 bucks. <laughs> he was joking. Child labor. Child labor. <laughs> totally joking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's required. Um, but no, like, I think finding their currency and appealing to them, and it's evolved as they've, they've aged. Like, you know, they want different things now. But I remember them when they were in that Pokemon. Like, what's funny is the kids are so different because my but you know the great unifier pokemon cards <laughs> <laughs> it's you know i mean and 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 by the way these kids are pulling pokemon cards out of these packs that are worth like a hundred dollars yeah yeah you know amazing. so the the, the 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 creatures that have a podcast my you know creatures that have it habit obviously i have a thing with habits my habits almost killed me i was able to get a little bit of grace in my life and then get a lot of grace and I'm grateful for the grace. And I changed my life with with good habits. So I replaced the bad ones with the good ones. And so I'd like to give the listeners here some insight into habits of the guests that come on the show, kind of a few things that they do, either in their morning routine if they Mm -hmm. have one, in their Mm -hmm. evening routine or wind-down routine if they have one, or just some habits throughout the day that um, have really helped give them serenity, give them organization, give them peace of mind, um, groundness, you know. So why don't, you know, whichever one wants to go, I mean, whoever has a morning routine, morning routine is a big one. Morning routine is huge. My morning routine is a little bit different every day. I, I'll talk about a couple habits that I've really leaned into in the past six months that I feel like have helped me immensely. One is breath work and like deep, intentional breath work. I love the, uh, the state app. I don't know if you've used that app. No. Four very simple exercises. One is like be present. One is uh, be alert. One is go to sleep, right? Like they're in different categories. And so just taking five to 15 minutes throughout my day and doing really deep intentional breath work has actually really helped me um, with, I, I wouldn't say that I have clinical depression or anxiety, but with those feelings that everybody has. So is it a guided breathwork app? It is a guided, but it just gives you kind of like little musical cues that you catch on to very easily. And you, you actually build up. So they, they ask you after each session, was that easy? Did you feel better? You know, could we go more, longer next time? And you kind of build up. Awesome. Um, state app? State, yeah. State. I think it's like 30 bucks a year. So it's like, you know. Very cool. I haven't three, heard of it. $3 a month. I love learning new stuff like love that. Love that app. It's a great app. Very simple, very relaxing. By the way, the first thing that... Um, our last guest, Dr. Graham, said in terms of habit for health. First thing he said was breath work. Breath, breath work. First I, thing he said. It's, it's, made a, it's made a huge difference in my life. Yeah. Um, the second thing, and I was actually reminded of this by uh, a board member of ours this week, is getting back to, like, pen and paper. And, you know, again, finding whatever currency works for you if it's sketching or journaling or writing. I'm, I, I was an English major. I love writing. Writing on a computer to me is different. It's, it's soul sucking. I hate it, but writing pen and paper for whatever reason. So I try and do again, five to 10 minutes of just creative writing. Sometimes it comes out in poems. Sometimes it comes out in like short stories. Sometimes it just comes out in like, you know, word webs and ideas. And sometimes it's about Rome, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's about my family, sometimes it's not. I just don't put 
creative restrictions on it and I just write. And you'll you'll fit these in throughout the day? Throughout the day, can. yeah. If I He's have, a great writer. If I have five to ten minutes breaking a call, I'll just I'll pull out my notebook. But again, pen and paper for me is big. It just it it it's a little analog, it's a little old school. I'm not like a hipster, I don't carry a typewriter, but like it's it just gets me into that mode where I'm away from a screen for five to ten minutes and it just completely refreshes things. Only because I have to say this, when I was a senior in high school, Ben was in eighth grade and I was given... I wonder if they a, can pull your diploma over this. This yeah, would be yeah. bad. I may need to be careful. Um, I was given an assignment to write like a 10-page creative brief. I was second semester senior. Not, I'm looking for every reason not to do something. And I went home night before papers due, and I see on our family computer a paper that Ben wrote, and I started reading it. It was about like some creative revolutionary war hero. I'm like, this is this is freaking good. Like... So I changed one word on this paper, which was the first name, turned it in, and I got a better grade on the paper than yeah, he did. I got like a B, and he got an A plus. Oh a, a minus. A minus. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. One of my better accomplishments. That, <laughs> so, yeah. that is and so I was in middle good. school. I was like, what? This that is doesn't make any so sense. Good. But here's I the best part about Ben is he wasn't like – he didn't. He was like he. He didn't. He wasn't mad at me. He was just like, "How did you get a better?" I was grade? mad at my teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so funny that so. you wrote the paper. You can. You, you could have written a paper on anything. So you just grabbed his paper. I was like, "Yeah, the full <laughs> wow. flexibility." Fuck this man. is before plagiarism was fully monitored the way <laughs> yeah. it is with ChatGPT. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so those are my two. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Nate? I would say the my the habit that I like think is most important in my life goes back to what we were talking about with the tight, you know, the, the wire act, high wire act is I think there's so much emphasis on goal setting and not nearly enough emphasis on goal monitoring and checking in. So I have a weekly habit of going in, looking at my goals that I've set, how am I doing on them? What's my progress? And it's a Sunday night thing. I always review it and it sets up my whole week. And, um, I just think that staying on track changes that because we are always out of balance but the trick is to not go too high or too low and so that micro balance micro correction is crucial for me because i'm an extremist like i start eating something i'm going to eat that every single day just a shout out to creatures of habit i meal one it's it's still called meal one Mm -hmm. okay All right. Meal one was my lifeblood when I was training for the marathon last year. I had that every single day because it was the best way to start before a long run. Best way probably to start. But like I'm I'm crazy that way. So it's easy for me to get overly like tilted one way or the other. And finding that self check-in is really, really important. And then the other thing for me, which I don't think I talked openly about last time, but you kind of like guided me back to it is... Um, is prayer. Like prayer is crucial for me, just being humble, realizing like, you know, when you build a company, we now have uh, with our retail stores, almost 200 employees. And we walk into a store and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. It's so nice to meet you. It's easy to start believing that you are something. And the most important thing to me is to not ever develop that ego. Ego is the enemy. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it leads to bad, you know, bad decision-making mistakes. And I love the idea of being on your knees and understanding that there is something greater than you and that there's a greater life force and that we're all equals. We're brothers and sisters. And that 
those things are really important to me. We were always taught, this was kind of, you know, when we were kids, nobody talked about meditation unless you were, you know, in a different world, grew up in a different country. We were always taught that when you pray, not only should you pray and should you be thinking about things, but you should also take some time throughout the prayer, at the end of the prayer, just to listen. And whether that's your own internal thoughts or whether that's thoughts that you believe are coming from a divine source, that has helped me tremendously throughout my life is just that period of, again, just reflection and taking a second because it's easy to pray and let it be like a grocery list of items of like, hey, I would really love this, this, and this and protect my family and this, this, and just be done with it. It's, it's a different level to sit there for a second and think, what is it that you want for me? What is it that I can find in my life? And so whatever form that takes for you, whether it is prayer or whether it is meditation, I think it's crucial. I'm so happy you brought that up. I mean, you know, it, it is prayer for me is the most, it is the, found, it is the foundation of my day every day. Mm. I kind of think of a day like building a structure, right? Mm. And you can roll out of bed and, you know, take a piss, uh, look at your phone, uh, or snooze, walk past your unmade bed, and like rush to get your shit together. And that would be kind of like building a structure on like dirt. Yeah. Right? As soon as it rains hard enough, that dirt is going to turn into mud. The mud is going to move the structure, and over time, that structure is going to ultimately fall. Right? For me, prayer is the first thing I do every morning. I, I, I was just saying, you know, like, I, 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 it's, for me, it's, it's prayer, push-ups, and poses. I do my prayers, I do my push-ups, and then I do my yoga poses. Um, and prayer is pouring, pouring concrete yeah. for me, yeah. you know. And I do believe that prayer is, is, is tough for some people to understand. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's controversial for some people that have not the greatest experience with potential organized religion. Yep. Yep. You know, but when I first got into prayer, I was um, a, a mentor of mine that was actually introducing me to this, basically said to me, look, dude, like, you don't have to pray to anything objective. Yeah. You know, like, you could be praying to a higher self if that's how you need to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. But taking time every single day to show some humility and understand that you are not everything. Because if you were everything, there'd be nothing. And I was like, all right. I mean, that, that makes sense, that right? Makes sense like, to me. I'm not everything. Yeah. And a lot of people walk through life thinking that that person, what they did is because I did this and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're talking they're shit on their about own Truman me. Show. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, I think what prayer does is it gives us this opportunity to just like have a few moments in the beginning of the day to just say, hey, it's not about me. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly. just not about me. And oh, by the way, I can use as much help as possible. Yes. You know? <laughs> totally. Like, that is as simple as it gets for me with prayer. Yeah. I ask for as much help. And not like, oh, the car, the house, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. you know. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, grace and gratitude, mm. please. Like, 
bring as much joy strength. and sunlight to my friends and family yeah. and the people that I'm struggling with. Yeah. Like, I think it's such a practice of, of humility. And I think when you said, you know, ego is your enemy, I believe the reason why, you know, in the restaurant world, there was a point where I had 14 restaurants in New York City, right? And I would go into the restaurants. There was over 350 people in each company. And I'd go into a restaurant, and not only, like, did the staff fire get fired up, but, like, the, 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 cost, the guests were like, hey, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I honestly believe the foundation for me not breaking out of that humility was my prayer practice, yeah. 100%. Yeah, because I think that like the ego is not your amigo, man. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be your new book. The <laughs> ego is not your amigo. I mean, I think there's something so powerful in an exchange of emotions where words are not even required. Yeah. Where oh. you can where you can transmit and receive feelings, and that's a form of communication that it's hard to have with most people. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, th- th- those are the things that, that matter a lot to me foundationally. And then there's others. I, have, um, I had a friend say to me uh, that he had just come back from his uh, grandfather's, uh, his grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary. I was like, that's so cool. He said, you know what was cool is I was talking to my grandma, and I said, what's it like to be married to the same man for 60 years? And she said, I feel like I've been married to six different men for 60 years because he has different hobbies, interests, and he's evolved and changed. And I was like, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like I've had different periods where I've gotten into different things and variety is helpful, but there are some things that are foundational that can give way to that variety. So like for me, there have been changes and evolutions and I like the idea to be open to it. Like I've just gotten really into cold plunging and sauna like over the last started during the pandemic i don't know if that'll ever go away because i'm really freaking addicted to it but i didn't do that 10 years ago you know you mentioned grace and just really quickly i read off the back of that i love this line by walt whitman he's my favorite poet and my two-year-old is named walter after walt whitman and he has this line that I absolutely love. He says, because he in the, in the poem, and his, his form is very much free verse. Like, he's just writing. Nothing rhymes. Nothing really goes together in terms of a pentameter or any, any tempo or anything like that. And he says... English major he says, up he says, Pentameter, I was about to say he that. He says, do I contradict myself? Very well, then. I contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. And I just love that line. It's like that, that grace to give to yourself of, like, you could believe one thing today... It could be different tomorrow, but just be patient with yourself. And again, mm. that comes back to prayer and reflection and gratitude and just saying you're, you're a person that's evolving and changing and, and finding new habits, finding things that you're into. That's, that's totally okay. You contain multitudes. You contain you know, everybody who came before you and everybody who will come after. The conversation that we're having, I think, is so powerful because it, basically I think it's stripped down to vulnerability, right? Like we're three dudes. Yeah. sitting here talking about grace and prayer, right, yeah. um, on a podcast. But but also, like, I've had I, I I've had a hard time not talking about it in my content, even on podcasts. Yeah, this idea that fear plays into everything. Mm-hmm. It just it 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 is part of everything. It is always there. It is not going anywhere. And we judge ourselves so much because of how we respond to it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, it is always there. It's part of the human condition. We have a trigger inside of our 
biology that flicks on when it happens, yeah. you know, and it actually like like ex- ex- like it, 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 it like releases hormones yeah. that yeah. actually f- affect us physically, um, yet we still judge ourselves around fear yeah. and how, you know, why I should not be scared right now for whatever reason. Like, as an entrepreneur, it's always scary. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is always. That might be an understatement. Yeah, it's always scary. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think I've gotten pretty good at, like, this st- state of existence that fear is always present. And I know that, like, if I brush it under the rug or if I run away from it in any way. Yeah. If I run away, if I turn my back on fear, it will put me in a rear naked choke and, and, and send me to the ground. <laughs> yeah, it will win. It will win. Yeah. And it'll, is, it'll find you. It'll find it'll you. It'll find you no matter what. And I think when you're put in a position where, like, no matter what happens, no matter you know, how many people you have on your squad, if it doesn't, if it doesn't pan out the way you want, it doesn't matter whose fault it is, you're going to deal with it, right? It's on, you. you're, yeah. it's on you. Yeah. And so that's the hardest part about it. And, but I guess to the point that I'm trying to make is every one is scared. Something, yeah. Everyone is scared a lot of the time. And it's okay. Yeah. It's like okay. having patience and understanding that, yes, you know, Mike Tyson walking from the locker room to the ring, he has said over and over again, the, the baddest dude in the world is always scared. And his opponent, Definitely does not think he's scared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you no. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like, there was a story. I don't remember if it was Courage is Calling or, like, uh, Obstacle is the Way. Or it was, like, one of these books that I've recently read. And it was a, it was about this these armies. And there was this, and, and it was in World War One or something like that, maybe World War One. Small army. Really, really strong leader. Knew that there was an army that they were opposing. That was just... Stronger. 10 to 1, yep. 20 to 1, 100 to 1, something crazy like that. You know, it's like no chance. But that leader, that army, did not know how small they were. Yeah. And this leader said to the small army, they're scared too. Watch. We're going we're gonna to roll over there and, and we're going to find out that they're scared too. Yeah. It's not just us. They're scared too. So let's walk in knowing that. And sure enough, they got over the hill and that that army heard them coming. Turned and ran. They bailed. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess that's a a long way of saying, like, and this is me speaking out loud to myself, it's okay (laughs) to be afraid. I mean, when we had that event that you came to, and I remember that we had some really awesome guys there. I mean... We, we do this event called Mind and Muscle, and it comes from this place. We've done over 100 of these now where I learned it with my boys. You probably see this yourself. Like if you start asking them, how are they doing? How are they feeling? It's instinctual. Men just tend to lock up. And it's like, I'm fine. I'm okay. And then you're like, no, how are you doing? How are you actually doing? How are you feeling? For my boys, the trick was getting them moving. Like my son, when he was three, I'd start pushing him on the swing chatterbox, like immediately start opening up. So the concept was if we could do a body weight workout or we could do a breath work or we could do something where guys are physically 
moving their bodies, it opens them up to be vulnerable emotionally, mentally. If I said to you, hey, Mike, come over. We're going to have like a a men's group therapy session. Mm -hmm. You'd have been like, no, not into it. I mean, you might have been, but like most guys would be like, sorry, like I've got anything else. And um, I'm going to be sick that day. yeah. Yeah. But getting guys to move gets them to then open up and emotionally respond. And I remember that session specifically. We had guys open up about real stuff, real deep stuff. And it was so powerful. And this idea of shared discomfort, that we're all scared of something, that we're all trying to do our best, that immediately makes us more relatable and feel safer with ourselves. It's just about perspective. And I think when we can put our our natural challenge, our human condition in front of each other and be like, it doesn't matter how you grew up, where you came from, your parents, whatever, like we're all struggling with something. And as long as we can start embracing that about each other and it's okay, I've got you, I've got your back no matter what, that just changes the conversation for me. And getting guys to do that in a group with each other, man, afterwards it's like let's go break down whatever – you know, barrier obstacles in front of us. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so fun and validating and rewarding to watch these guys walk in. And, you know, a lot of them are the influencer content creator type. So they're just like, they look like they're Photoshopped. They're just ripped. They're jacked, whatever. They look like Mike Trinnell. They look like Mike Trinnell. And they walk in and, you know, I think there is also this natural tendency when a group of men get together, we like, I don't know if it's biological, we all just start sizing each other up. And then 30 minutes later, they're like holding each other (laughs) and one's crying, right? And talking about issues that he's faced. And so that is to say, and going back to your point of this idea of like, we're all afraid and that's okay. As long as we reflect on it, it doesn't, it doesn't disrupt the way that we treat people. My father-in-law always, he has, he has great sayings and he says, don't borrow the problems of tomorrow, Mm. right? Don't let what could happen affect the way that you live today. And it's so easy to say it, but you just have to constantly remind yourself not to do it because that's when it's not okay. It's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to let that fear send you into a spiral. Yeah, be in a driver's seat and and let you affect the way that you treat people because that's when it gets destructive. I think that's it. And I think that that is ultimately kind of like the, the message that I've been trying to put out even with this podcast and, and, and the guests that I asked to come on the podcast um, are intentional yeah. because they have a very similar message, which is it's not the fear. It's what you do with it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's not the fear. Everybody has denying this. that it exists won't solve the problem. Right. It's what you, how are you dealing with it when it comes down the pipe? Yeah. And that I think is like, you know, in the beginning of the podcast, of this, this podcast, the intro of this podcast, I say, sit back, relax, and pay attention because what you hear in this podcast today could potentially change your life. Hmm. And I don't say that shit because I, like, want to, like, say it to, you know, wear it, wear a, you know, get a trophy. Yeah, I honor. say it because I actually think that that one line right there, which is, like, it's not about the fear. It's what you do with it yeah it's what you can't in many cases i think it's very difficult to control your first thought yeah right kind of just 
comes. It comes. You yeah. know, first thought just kind of comes. But the window of space you give yourself between that first thought and the actual time to react to it physically or verbally or emotionally, that is the barometer of health Yeah. mentally. Yeah. Right? Like, you react very quickly, you need to give yourself a little bit more time. And that, for me, is like, if I'm hungry... <laughs> Especially if I'm yeah, hungry. Yeah, if I'm hungry, if I'm tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I've been, you Fatigue know... Fatigue makes cowards uh, of us all. Uh. Yeah. Like, if I could... That, my time, that window, <laughs> that window is like not existent sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Where my wife is like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that... By the way, <laughs> one of the greatest things ever is to have a companion or partner who will hold you accountable Absolutely. and not like you know, appropriately put up with you, but then also not overly indulge you. I love these ideas of mindset shifts because your point of you can't control the first thought is so true. You can't control the hand that you were given either. You can only control your reaction, but that's the most empowering thing because you can control something. So yesterday I got home, we had two days worth of board meetings. We had board in town. We walked through our stores. It's great. Then we had a full deck, like, two very packed days, late night dinner, and then another uh, late dinner. And I got home and I was shot. I mean, like, I, I, I think sleep, I've grown to really prioritize my sleep. I know how important it is, but I had two days of like, not great sleep. And I get home, my wife's like, hey, you're in charge of the kids for a little bit. I gotta go do something. I don't even remember what it was. And um, my two younger boys were like, dad, let's go jump on the trampoline. And I was like, no, no, sorry. Like I, like, I need some me time right now. I really need some me time. And I was in that state of like, of course, like, I, you know, I just finished these meetings. Like, you know, why can't I just get like a, five minutes for myself? And I've learned to do these powerful mindset shifts where I take a step back and I like almost like reflect on how I'm operating. I'm like, if I change the perspective here of like, oh my gosh, I'm incredibly lucky. I get to live this life. I have these sons at this moment who want to play with me. And yes, you're exhausted, but man, you are lucky. You are so, you have no idea how lucky you are. Yeah. And as soon as I shifted that, I was like, all right, it's a momentum game. Let's go start. You know, and 30 minutes later, I was having a blast with them. We were having so much fun. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, what if I had indulged that like, uh, everything bad happens to you, da, 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 you know, like th- that, that tornado. What you do with it. It's how you react, that mindset shift, you get to choose. And, yeah. your, and, and your habits can put you in a better place, a better position to help control that reaction. And they can put you in a worse place. So like, it's a lot harder when you're sleep deprived, not eating well and you know, not taking care of yourself. So set yourself up for success to, to have a better reaction, but it is so much how you react, how you shift your mindset. The word privilege, you can tell I love words. I love thinking about words. The word privilege is, is you know, you say it and people start to cringe nowadays, right? But it is a privilege to do the. It's a privilege to be a father. It's a privilege to work hard. It's a privilege to have responsibilities. Hell, it's a privilege to have mental health challenges because you can get better you can change your mindset, and then you can help other people. 
And like, that's just the way, if you start to look at your life that way, and again, like Nate said, we're the worst at this. This is why we think about it and talk about it all the time because we're the patients, our first instinct. Yeah. We're the patients in the hospital. Um, our first instinct is to think she doesn't know what I just went through. She doesn't know what my day has been. These little kids don't know what I've been through. They don't know how tired I am. It's it, again, it's, it is that moment where you have to think, no, this moment right now is a privilege. The present is a privilege. Let's, I get a choice. Let's do with it what we can. I think also yes to all of that. And I also want to put a highlight on the choice component, right? Huge where agency. You, you actually have a choice. Yeah. You may not think so, but you can hop into the pity pond or the humility hamper. I actually... <laughs> Man, you're the alliteration is Let's on go. fire. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Ego is my amigo. The pity is pond like is great, favorite. too, because you know it's going to be filled with, like, scum it's swamp. and, like, it's swamp, swamp yeah. water. I yeah. came up with the humility hamper the other day, um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of... Oh, actually, no, I didn't call it the humility hamper. I called it the hope hamper. Okay. Um, but where I learned this probably the most in my life was when I first decided that I was going to stop drinking Mm. and using drugs. And there was this older person who, like, I would have never thought cared, right, at that point in my life, walked up to me and said, hey, you know you don't have to drink anymore, right? I was like, and he was like, you know, you have a choice. You don't have to drink anymore. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Wait Versus being told you're a, a victim, victim and it's out of your control. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, I don't actually have, like, I can choose. Yeah. So, like, when people ask me and when I, when I ask some people on the podcast, like, oh, yeah, how do you wake up at, you know, people, the, the one I get most is, how do you wake up so, so early? early? How do you, yeah. you know, go to the gym? How do you, and the answer is, like, I know that I don't have to sleep in. Yeah. I don't have to skip the gym. I can, or I can choose to wake up early. Yeah. It's not like, uh, it's like the, the perspective of, oh, God, I got to wake up earlier. Oh, God, I've got this habit that I've committed to. It's like, no, 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 like, I can wake up early. Yeah. yeah. I get to. I get to. I don't have to sleep in. Right. I said that to myself so much while I was training. I I don't consider myself an endurance athlete, but I knew I wanted to run this marathon. And so every time I marathon train, the like, oh, this is the worst. I can't believe like, you know, this to like, whoa, I get, I get to do this. That shift. Are you running the marathon again? No, no, not, (laughs) not right now. But that, that for me, that mindset shift of like, I get to do this, I get to be here, I get to have this moment, I, it's, it's everything with how we react to it. Uh, you know, I was, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 25. Do, I, shock of my life. I'd always been healthy, never had any issues. I had just gotten off health insurance because I was starting my first company. And in a matter of three months, I broke my ankle got diagnosed with type one and my wife was pregnant unexpectedly and we didn't have health insurance. It was terrifying. Mm. I was, I was beyond scared. And 
that diagnosis has been one of the greatest blessings of my entire life. But I see it time and time again. How you, you, I could wake up every single day and have, and get in the, the, the pity, what do you call it? The pity, pity uh, pond. Pity pond. With all the frogs. And, and by the way, there all are the some, there, frogs. there are some days that I do. Absolutely. Totally. You know, totally. We all totally. take a bath in the pity pond. But <laughs> I just, I like, I, I really do think that that mindset shift, just knowing you have the ability to shift it, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. Whether you believe in a higher power or not, you cannot deny that agency choice is, is, and it, it is a, such a gift to humanity. People can take away. I mean, required reading in our household was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's like the original self-help book written by this amazing man who lived through, uh, he, was, he was a prisoner in a concentration camp. And he said, the Nazis took everything away from me the one thing they could never take away from me was my ability to choose how I react. And what a powerful perspective that is from, from sure. someone who's gone through something this is living like that, through hell, living through actual hell. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was drilled into us from a young age. But again, we're, not, we're certainly not perfect. There's times where I go into meetings at Roan and think, I don't, this is the last thing I want to do is be on a Zoom for another 45 minutes talking about something I don't care about. And then usually I have to the take financial calls. Yeah, yeah. Usually the financial calls. Sorry, Kate. Um, but <laughs> taking a step back and saying, I get to build this company. Like, how many people would just kill to have my job and to build this company with their best friend right now? And that perspective, that shift, it just changes everything. Dudes, I don't know. This was a good one. This was a good one. <laughs> this was good. We could probably go, like you said, for three <laughs> hours. More hours. People have already turned it off, so yeah. we could talk about whatever we want. <laughs> we should talk about the Giants at this point. You'd be surprised. Our listenership <laughs> is full. It's like literally we get like 80% all the way to the end. And I think that's probably because I'm, I shorten these things down to yeah, about yeah, 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's smart. Cool. Um, but... Um, yeah, we covered a lot. We, we covered a lot. We appreciate you having us. We hey, we sincerely, really respect and love you. We think yeah. you're just one of the great guys. Yeah, really well, do. one of the good guys. ones, and yeah. you authentically live it. And yeah. that, like, at the end of the day, the thing that I probably have the least amount of patience for is, you know, I get marketing, I get the need to put on a show to get you know whatever. I think you authentically believe everything that you put on here, and um, and that comes through, and uh, it's part of what makes you special. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You know, I think I take a lot of shit for it. People um, break my break my chops about. That the, means you're doing something right, in my opinion. Soulless yeah. internet trolls don't <laughs> count. <laughs> um, well, similarly. I have an utmost respect for you guys and you. what you guys do, and it's been wonderful and amazing to see sort of sit from the sidelines and watch you guys build this thing. I mean, you guys are coming up on a big anniversary, right? Next yeah, year is ten years. Ten years. Next year's 10. And that's a big. That's a that's a lot of time. Yeah, it feels. It, I told Nate this the other day. It simultaneously feels like two years and forty years. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's not one or the other. It's both at the same time. I guess in closing, what I'd love for you guys to be able to share with the with the listeners is um why why do you do what you do what what is the motivation no you don't have to build a business and have a bunch of kids and try to try to create a life for yourself and your family and your friends that's abundant why do you think you do it i think we were raised by two unbelievable parents that just you know built in us this idea that we 
you know, we have to strive. I, uh, we're strivers. You know, we're like imperfect, but striving all the time. And um, you can get caught up in the trap of never being satisfied. And I think if I think about my biggest weakness, it's that, is that I just kind of am no, I, I don't take enough time to like take a step back and be like, whoa, I can't believe we went from there to there. I'm always like, how do we get from here to that next thing in front? So part of what drives me is this idea of improving and growing and developing in everything. You know, how do I build a better family culture? How do I be a better husband to my wife? How do I be a better CEO and leader? How can I be a better brother and friend? How can I get better speaking on podcasts? Actually, I don't think much about that. But, you know, it's just this idea of like natural desire to improve and grow. And I feel most satisfied and most complete as I feel like I'm giving an honest effort, not even at the milestones. It's like, I think I, I think for me, the thing that matters the most is did I actually give an effort? Um, so I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, that's, reaction. that's tied into the, like the tagline for our company, right? This idea of forever forward again, pulled from a Walt Whitman, qu- uh, quote and poem. Um, I think there is, you know, reflecting on who I have been in the past and this idea of that you're, you're different people. I was, when I was a kid, I was really fearful. When I was a teenager, I had no self-confidence. When I was a 20-year-old, I was desperate to prove that I could to other people. And I'm 36 now. In my 30s, I've started to care way less about what other people think. And I've started to say, how can I make my parents proud? How can I make my brother proud? How can I make, how can I support my wife and my kids? And also like at the, at the base of everything is like, how can I make myself, how can I prove to myself that I can do this, that, that I can, and it, it's not about other people. It's not about like, screw the haters. I, I actually really hate that. It's like, you know, screw who you were in the past and fix yourself to this idea of just constant steady improvement because that's really what's going to matter in the at the end of your life yesterday is history yep and um how would you answer the question you just asked us i'm curious (sighs) no one's ever asked me that question (laughs) (laughs) uh i i uh also have a um just sort of a ferocious hunger to make the most of every day in my life I want to I want to live life to its absolute fullest. Yeah. And I know at my core I love making people happy. Mm. And for years it put me in a really uncomfortable place cuz I I was a people pleaser and yeah. you know to to a fault. Um and today I have a healthy balance with it, but I still love 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 making people happy. And I think that ferocious hunger for making the most of life every single day also is I'm like a real hunter. Hmm. I just really, really love the journey. Yeah. The the hunt. The pursuit. The pursuit. I love it. I fucking love it. And I love every morning. It doesn't matter what's going on in business. Yeah. It could be, (laughs) you know, the scariest like, I just want to lift up rocks and yeah. find things mm. and figure out how to. That's what gives you energy. I'm built the exact same way. It's just, it is the, 
it's the process it's the becoming it's the when I feel stagnant when I feel like I'm not chasing something that's when I'm like not happy progress is so addicting totally it really is it's the best drug on earth this was awesome guys hey thank you so much I'm sure you enjoyed that I know I certainly did if you guys um, did enjoy it as much as I did every week I ask you to share it with friends with family with your foes um, with a random stranger, you know, and any share the podcast. It, 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 it is it is my number one ask is for you to share the cast. My number one ask is for you to share the cast. Get out of the pity pond and into the hope hamper and share the podcast and into um, the share cycle. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, which would mean a lot to me, my second ask every week is that you write a review. It takes no time and it really really, really does help the podcast. It really does. You write a review, ideally a good one, you give us a five-star rating, and you enter yourself to win a giveaway of a box of meal one and a bag of nightcap. Um, But also helps the the podcast grow and stay afloat um, and, you know, keeps me excited. I love reading the reviews. So uh, please do that. It would mean the world. And um, if you have not had experience with Roan, you should definitely change that. You should definitely change that. You should hop online right now. Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and check out what these guys are doing. And if you're in the New York area, um, you guys have stores actually out of New York now as well, right? Have, yeah, yes, 15 stores. Three stores within New York and and 11 outside. So there's, there's, there's brick-and-mortar stores that are beautiful, amazing experience in the stores. Um, Go, go check out the stores and feel and touch the, 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 the stuff yourself because, I mean, it's just wonderful. I mean, you can just see the quality. Everything is just there, and it's, you know, it's built for really any man um, but also with the thought of movement in mind, the thought of movement in mind. So there's technology within the, in the material that actually m- helps motivate movement and, and, and helps you um, – to manage the things that happen when movement occurs. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's ever said it that way, but, you know, mm, you guys good. can take that one. Yeah, that's good. And there you have it, folks. I hope we delivered some valuable content for you to implement into your life on a daily basis. Please remember that our habits have the power to make us or break us. Replacing bad habits with great ones is the answer to living a life of happiness, optimism, and high performance. We are capable of achieving anything. We all have what it takes to give it all we've got. Commit to one great habit each day and truly commit and watch how everything in your life starts evolving from good to great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a nice review that will help us grow this podcast, bring on more amazing guests, and continue to deliver invaluable content on a weekly basis. Lastly, please share this podcast with any friends or family that you think might appreciate it. And always remember, want plus do equals have. Until the next one, fam. Peace.